podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It is the Anfield app, Neil Atkinson, Melissa Reddy, Adam Smith and Rob Gutman with you for the next, ooh, half past seven, we'll have you to Liverpool, uh, unless you're listening to this as a podcast, uh, at which point I've got no sense of what time it actually is for you. Uh, but we'll do the best that we can to make sure it's uh, entertaining and possibly even informative and I want to talk about the Chelsea game, because um, I'm still not entirely over it, and I also want to talk about obviously looking ahead to the whole game. Uh, we've got Ben Finney joining us later on in the show. To let us know how he feels the Hull have been progressing this season and uh, the, the arrival of Marco Silva. But the first thing is, I want to talk about that game the other night, really. And uh, I'll go Rob Gutman first, actually, on this because I think we can care. It was, I think, it was a terrific game of football. But it's another one of those games, and I keep saying it because I don't understand why more people aren't saying it. It is unbelievable the pace most of the games uh, involving the top six have gone at this season. For instance, the final whistle goes of get Man United versus Liverpool, and five players matted across either side hit the deck with exhaustion. Adam Alana at one point I thought looked like he was going to be sick the other night. I I thought honestly the yeah. the speed that these football matches are taking place at the last 20 minutes was was unbelievably hectic no one can control it no one can put the foot on the game no one can manage the game it's just carnage yeah there's going to be a death i mean it's it, it, it is getting more and more frantic and i think it is I think it must be to do with the current vogue for closing people down and the new word pressing. It has to be that. And certainly when we're watching Liverpool, that has become our that's our our motif, isn't it? We're the pressing team. So everyone who plays us, and certainly the big guys who don't want us to to mug them and, and to show them up, are going to do their own version of pressing. And quite frankly, they've all got fashionable managers who know all about that as well. So th- this is what's going on. I mean, I have I can think through the decades there have been times where this has been said about clashes of the Titans. Even remember in the eighties, where yeah. probably if we watched it back now, it would look like uh, people moving in th- through porridge relative to, to now. So it does get said every now and again. I do actually remember having the same same feeling. Certainly in derbies, you had that, and, and certainly in big Liverpool Man U clashes, thought the ball will never stay still here. But that was frenetic. And there was a, there was a lot of quality amidst all that all that uh, frenzy. I think there was quality. I'll come on to the quality in a second, Mel. But the first thing for me is it's this. Everyone looks to be more intense. So you end up in a situation where there's this almost one-upsmanship of intensity. And before you know where you are, you are on 60 minutes and you're wondering when anyone's going to get a rest. And the other thing that I think as well, you know, there's a little bit of... Around Klopp in general, but the other night, there was a lot of people making sort of, why don't he use his subs? It took Ma- Pedro, it took Pedro 15 minutes to get the pace. It took Mane about 10. I'm never entirely sure Fabregas did. I don't think Origi did. The idea of lashing Daniel Sturridge into it's wild. You know, because it, it's such a fast, frenetic thing that you can't just come on into that cold. Absolutely. Uh, the first point, I think, is we need to view it in the context of this league season and how competitive it's been at the top end of the table. I don't think any of the teams feel, especially against each other, that they can play at 90% or, or even an 80% because of, of how that table is shaping up at the top. Um, and like Rob said, there is this sort of... Um, sense amongst the managers that they don't want to be outdone we've heard Mourinho when when United came to to Anfield at the start of the season saying uh, Liverpool are not the eighth wonder of the world like everyone's saying um, you know Klopp said Chelsea's be have been lucky they've been phenomenal but they've been lucky in terms of injuries which you know they have been they've not yep. had a major selection issue all season they had the Diego Costa saga which lasted one game that was it that's the only problem they've had um, and you hear this little and I wouldn't say sniping but just managers placing all whatever the other teams are doing into relation or or into perspective 
Uh, and I think you see that in the games as well between these teams. And like you say, the pace, their intensity, the, no one really wants to give the other team an inch. Um, and yeah, like you say about the substitutes, when you speak to the players, they say when you're on the bench, you're watching, you're taking note of everything that's happening tactically because you've got to, especially like if you know you're coming on right wing, you've got to assess how Chelsea's left back is playing the position, who you need to um, link up with and what sort of movement's happening there. So you're watching all this, but nothing can prepare you for the moment you've actually got to come on. Because one thing you can't judge, you can say that it's a quick game, but you can't actually physically understand how quick it is until you're in that environment. The the next part of this is, the I mean, Rob mentions passing lanes there. Sorry, mentions pressing there. And the only thing I see is, is passing lanes, which is also a hip phrase to basically mean cutting off angles. Mm. And there's tons of it. I couldn't believe it the other night. You know, Kante makes all the tackles that he makes. But the other thing that's really, really impressive is the number of times you get the impression on players on either side, but Liverpool look up and they think, well, he might just get it if I try to slip it through there. And then, and then we go again, they've got the ball and they could break. And even passing through midfield the other night, there, was, there wasn't a lot of people trying to attempt to try to go round. Chelsea were trying to get round Van Alden, over Van Alden, Henderson and Chan. Uh, Liverpool were trying to get round uh, Kante, maybe occasionally over, well, a lot over, uh, over Kante and Matic. But there wasn't that, that idea that we're just going to do a quick passing here because we're concerned we're going to lose it. Because these lads, they're all really, really good at winning the ball back. You've only got to look at the stats all season. Kante stats the other night. But he, could, he couldn't find a pass. He couldn't find a pass all the way through the evening. But he could, he could, he could win it back. And the thing about this is that it makes it must make it so hard to build play. That's what I'm watching. The, the play never feels like it's getting properly built in these games anymore. Yeah, and I, I think one of the things that Rob said before I think was quite interesting when he said that they're, they're all quite hit managers that know about it. And I, and I think that's kind of one of the the key things, especially in the big games, is that these these managers know about the you know the. You're right. It's it's like a like a vogue phrase to say passing lanes, whereas in the olden days you just said he's closing down the space. But it's different. It feels different somehow. It's not quite the same. Drilled, drilled, learned. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Not and just an innate. No, it's not just sort of oh, you know, looks a bit of space over there. They know, you know, this is my territory. This is where I'm covering over. This is where the angle is that that's where the line will be. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so that that you, you throw that into the intensity they're playing at, and it really does does look like it's frenetic because there's nowhere to go because they've closed off that pass and they because they know that's where I like to, you know, I favour and, you know, well, I know Lalana's going to be there so I'll go there but hold on, there's a player in front. So that's, you know, it's all together is just what makes it it feel like it's it's slightly chaotic, I suppose. I'll tell you what impressed me about Liverpool's tactics. It was something I, I we talked about uh, with Sean Rogers, who's a regular on our review show, on our subscription show. Sean pointed out how Tottenham had exposed Chelsea recently uh, and how they had got balls out from wide right. Uh, Against Victor Moses. No, 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 targeted Aspilicueta. The space between Moses and Aspilicueta. Yes, yeah. he's targeting that space, because uh, Moses pushed up, and Aspilicueta's not the best in the air. And watch how, in fact, the goal comes about because of exactly this. Watch how many times I think is Jordan, Jordan Henderson clip ball. He does two or three of them second half. Yeah, and one of them comes off, but the other two aren't too far away. I think there's a man over, Emery Chan's a man over at one stage. But, it's exactly what Tottenham had done, and what, and what uh, the, the Sean had uh, very cleverly identified. We did it. We did it very effectively. It was good to see it work. And it, I mean, it, we nearly won the game through a version of it when Firmino gets the header late on. Yeah, you'd like, oh, Mel, it's the sort of thing you'd like to actually maybe perhaps. I, I, I would wonder about when Jurgen Klopp slash his, his analysis team look back. They might actually be thinking 
we could have done a bit more of that. Uh, mm. It did seem to be getting a bit of joy. Uh, I think it's. I think one of the issues around it was again Chelsea sort of worked out. Let's not let Henderson do that if we can. You know these these players aren't stupid. They can work things out on the pitch themselves. Do if he goes to shape like that way, just get in front of him. Just make it hard because yeah. he's the best. He, he's the best at that in our team. Exactly, but also Chelsea will be aware that that's their weakness after that Spurs game, and they'll know that opposition managers are looking at that and thinking. Targeted. So as soon as they feel that the opposition have got that in their game, like they, like you're saying, they'll try and negate it or, or s- sort of amplify another strength somewhere else that Liverpool have to then focus on on combating to to draw away from their weakness. Liverpool are good at doing that as well in in their own way. Um, and we're taught, you know, I mentioned the competitiveness of the league season. And you look at the teams and you look at the managers and you look at some of the games that that the six have played against each other and against some of the other teams. And if you take away all the uh, Liverpool have blown it or, you know, all the fatalism and, and fantasy out of the equation and you just step back and look at what's transpired this season, it's incredible. Uh, on the, I mean, it is a ridiculous level that all these sides have hit, uh, Adam. On you know, on what Mel's saying there, that you know, for instance, United are theoretically the poorest of these sides, sitting sixth place. They're not going far off two points a game. You suspect you'd be surprised if they didn't finish on more than seventy six points. I'll be honest with you, uh, but they've been the, unbeaten for for a while as well. Yeah, for months, they? for yeah. months they've been unbe- unbeaten in the league for months now. They lost, mm-hmm. they lost the, the, the league one game, sorry, the, the league cup game to to Hull, Adam, but. All of a sudden last season, and I was making those sorts of noises, oh, this could be the new normal, aside coming from nowhere, like Leicester, so on and so forth. The extent to which the, the big six clubs in England, the big the, the lads who pay the most money, the lads who pay the highest wages, the extent to which these six clubs have absolutely, the six who've got the managers with the strongest CVs, have absolutely just nailed down, this is what we're, this, this, this is our territory this season, is, is, is quite mind-boggling. Yeah, and it... it it feels, uh, I was listening to, I think it was the Friday show the other day, uh, just on my way here, obviously not the other day, it's Friday, um, and someone was making the point about, uh, I think it was Barkley and the young Everton lad who's made Barkley kind of lift his game Davis, up. Davis, yeah. sorry, Davis. Davis made Barkley lift his game up, and that's a little bit like what it feels like, but on a club-wide level, is everyone's kind of going, we've got to shift here because Pochettino is not only settled at Spurs, but he's got them playing great football and he's got them going great guns. Mourinho's turned up at United. Uh, Conte's obviously doing what he's doing at, at Chelsea. Guardiola may not have settled particularly quickly in England, but they're still in the mix for the top four spots. Could you could easily imagine them going if anyone was going to go on a run and Chelsea falter? You could easily imagine it being City. So all of a sudden you've got you know the six or seven managers that mean players and teams have to lift the game, or else they're just going to get left behind, and that can't happen. It- it doesn't look like slowing down. I think this is one of my things, Rob, at the start when we were watching a few of these games. I mean, even the first game of the season away at Arsenal, where Liverpool win the game four three, you know that. That was a crazy game. It was yeah. frenetic. It was fast. Uh, Arsenal put all their eggs onto the fitness basket first half and then fit second half tired. As everyone's got the legs from about September through to now, I think one of the things I take from it is that normally you'd think there'd be a natural sort of slowdown. Instead, what you see in, instead is what I said at the very start of this, this conversation, that there's that final whistles go or lads get substituted and it just looks like everything's drained from them. Everything's, they've got absolutely nothing left. But right up until that point, they're still going one more. Liverpool nearly have a really good chance through Firmino. At the very end of the game, you know, Kante's still closing down all over the place, wins it back off uh, off Mane. Matic works across really well. You know, up until the point, the fi- as soon as the final whistle goes, it looks like everyone's going to need to be carried off. But it, it, mm. I keep thinking, oh, there'll come a point, come 70, where it'll be, oh yeah, 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 now, that, now it'll open up and, or now there'll be space or now someone will have to shut 
to down and it just doesn't seem to happen. Yeah, and it makes you wonder whether how we'll look back on this all in in May, whether we'll whether we'll see the season as a whole as a macrocosm of the of these teams' fitness. Um, I wonder. I mean, in a way, if they if, if they all keep up this intensity, there's going to be they're going to flounder at different rates. At some point, they're not going to be as at it in May as they were in November, or as, as they might be able to now. I just don't think scientifically it's almost possible. But. Uh, and that's where the fixture list and the burdens are going to get interesting. This is where Klopp, I think, will be going. Hang on a second. Now being out of the cups could work for us if we keep our heads. We we, we don't we don't uh, falter because we lack rhythm with less games. We can you know there's virtually a two a, a mid season break for Liverpool coming up in in late Feb between the Tottenham and Leicester, Leicester games. The it's like sixteen best part of sixteen days off Liverpool have got. So they could go to the Bahamas quite frankly and really really rest up. Uh, Chelsea uh, Chelsea don't have a. Europe to worry about, although they're they're in a cup still, so it's going to be it's going to be interesting what what effect it has as we get further in. The one team I, I think out of the top six who don't seem to play at quite the same pace as the rest are Arsenal. I think I might be right in saying they're a bit more measured and then they come unstuck because of it. You wonder if Wenger's got a plan that he his uh, his boys are the last men standing come April or not. I don't know. Uh, more on this after the break. This is the Anfield Rap on Radio City Talk. Losing my religion by REM there. Uh, back with Mel Adam and. Rob, uh, Mel, on this, uh, just to begin to draw the veil over the Chelsea game and what it means going forward, Liverpool did have uh, on the pitch, not all at the same time still, but they did They did manage to feature Mane, Coutinho, uh, Firmino, Lallana, Henderson and Matip all during one game of football. Uh, and you can possibly even throw Nathaniel Klein into there too as well because he's been missing recently. Of them, you know, you, it's beginning to be clearer and clearer exactly how integral they are to what Liverpool are about. Um, you know, the, the first one, the one that the, the first clear one, obviously because he's come back, is Mane. That it was there was an air of excitement about him, but also I think in general, you can just it is the pace that's lacking, that's been lacking too often that that, that electrifies you. Yeah, um, I've actually got a feature going live. I think it will be published tomorrow, but I took a look in detail a little bit at the front four and they've only started seven Premier League games this season together seven that is the best front four while the three and Adam Lalana supporting him behind is at the start of the season best front four in the league most explosive in those seven games that they've started Liverpool scored 24 of their 52 goals so it's quite clear to see that when they're all playing together, yep. Liverpool are at their fluent best. It, it has a knock-on effect on, on everything else, how well Jordan Henderson can control the game, how much the defence has to deal with, because it's not just about what they offer in, in terms of their ability on the ball, but they're also synchronised in what they do out of possession as well. Um, and obviously, yes, huge that Mane's back it gives Liverpool variation in attack allows them to transition quicker but I think another issue Liverpool had during this uh, a slight dip in in December and then a very very miserable January is the fact that it wasn't only Mane it was often Mane and no Coutinho or no Coutinho no Lalana. there were a combination of times where two were missing and I think that's so detrimental, uh, so detrimental. More than you're just missing one key player in that attacking sense. And then, like you've mentioned, when you move for further back, it's Henderson's heel issue, Matip with that troublesome ankle, and then the the wrangle with Cameroon. So it's 
remarkable that we're saying all these things have happened and Liverpool are one point off second spot. It's been hard to get stability. So, sorry to cut, cut in there, but if you think about it, I mean, it's not just that. We haven't been able to find stability with our goalkeeper truly either. I mean, OK, that's just one of those those things, but it's another obstacle that, uh, you know, as, as a whole, we have to get around. If you think about it, it's right through the spine of the team, we've been disrupted, and it is remarkable, Mel. You're right that we still managed to stay in the fray. In, in the most competitive season in that we can remember for, for ages. It's on, Adam, uh, on the other night, Adam, in terms of one of them who came back, Matip. No one's saying it's easy to play football against Diego Costa. Um, I'm also on the same side of the pitch as Eden Hazard's sort of starting position now. But I thought it was... He looks like a lad who's short of match fitness. I think that's the that's that's the killer. He's he just not quite as not quite as first to everything as he was, for instance, in the corresponding picture uh, fixture in the first half of the year. He's, he, he looks like he needs sharpening in some way. Well, that's what I was going to say. You're right. It's not easy to play against them, but you know, but Costa barely got a sniff in the first game because Matip just took care of him. You know, I meant the defensive unit as a whole worked well, but but Matip in particular was 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 excellent, um, and and that. You know, we've just talked about the pace of the game, how fast it was moving, how you know how quick it all was. If you're not fully fit and you're thrown into that, and you're against the league leaders, and those league leaders contain Costa and Hazard and etc. You know, and even when Hazard goes off, well, then Pedro comes on, and yes, it takes him ten minutes to get to the game. But when he when he is up to the speed, he's faster than you know everybody else on the pitch. It, you know, that's very very difficult. So he wasn't great. But I think in the circumstances, he also could have been a lot worse, you know. It felt like a big night, um, another big night, really, in a big game for Emery Chan, Rob. Mm. I, th- I thought Chan was, was, was very cleverly used by his manager, but also committed wholeheartedly, clearly, to what his manager had asked him to do. More of a siege weapon than an actual footballer, in many senses. Mm. But he was a huge thorn in Chelsea's side throughout, uh, I thought. And uh, it, it's, it, it's such a strange... <laughs> When, when, for instance, we would say that Dirk Cout was a big game player, you were able to point to the fact that he tended to kick, he kicked it in the net in a fair few big games, if you know what I mean. Mm. And Chan isn't, isn't doing that bit, but there's lots of other positives about his performance in these big games, where he suddenly looks, you know, he suddenly looks like you're massively carrying him against uh, against lesser opposition. It seems the more intense it is, the more you get out of Emery Chan at the minute. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. His selection was it slightly surprised me and was interesting. Be- because I thought, well, I thought both managers showed each other great respect by by resisting the temptation to play a third f- forward. Chelsea left Pedro out and put Willian in. We we, we kept Emery Chan in and didn't let, uh, didn't risk Mane starting. And I think it is a testament to how Klopp thinks, despite form, Emery Chan is the big game player. You do you just need him in these kind of contests. He rises. I think I think the game becomes simpler for him when it when it's kind of a a bit more binary. Not I think that's what what we're all saying. It's uh, he, he remain, I mean, we can spend a lot of time talking about Emery Chan, Melissa, and we have across across many of the shows. But he remains enigmatic, and I also sort of wonder if he's still even even now, even over you know having having been at the club for more than 15, 16 months, if he's still vaguely enigmatic to his manager, Chan. That he seems to, he seems to have a real sense of, of exactly what it is that he wants him to do, and seems to be able to get that instilled in him for for specific tactical jobs. But for the general rhythm play, which we've seen so many other Liverpool players excel at, Henderson, uh, Ronaldo, the front four that we keep referring to, even Klein and Milner, that sort of one touch, it's going to go. We know where everyone is. That's just not been there for Emre all the way through the season. Whereas the this is Chelsea, this is your job, this is what you're going to do, sitting him down, going through it. That's what he's been brilliant at. Yeah, I think the the issue with Emre is viewing him in context of what his strengths are versus if he's playing as a six, he can't do what Jordan Henderson 
can as efficiently and effectively and with the sort of energy that Henderson can do it at. And and like you say, he can't be Wijnaldum either because he can't shuttle as quickly. He can't be Lelana because he doesn't operate in, in tight spaces like Lelana can. And what he essentially wants to do naturally is be the ball carrier, just break through the ball. From the, now, the way Liverpool play, they don't actually need a player bombing through with the ball. They need runners in behind. They need uh, options out wide. They need cute, clever little passing. And and I think that's why that one-touch football doesn't really work for him. He need, He automatically and naturally just needs to have those few touches. Now, I know one of the things that one of the exercises in training does focus on players who like to have a few touches being minimum one or two um, and even then that that doesn't really come natural to him because it's not his game so I think yeah you, you're correct in saying when you give him uh, a task that is within his remit that is something he can train his mind to do and think yeah that's me for today I can box that easy this is what I need to do then it's fine but if he's asked to do something like be Jordan Henderson in the number six role in the system he's not going to do it because he he can't play that way and it's interesting because when Emery was bought or and in that period he was the one that Liverpool were most excited about the coaching staff the performance analysts everyone was looking at Emery and thinking this is a really dominant midfielder or that's what he's going to grow to become in in the Premier League and you know Bayern were annoyed that that Liverpool got him there there was a lot of fuss around him and I think the issue is that the system at the moment is not favorable for somebody off Emery's talents Liverpool need control and assertiveness and authority but in a speedy in your face way um, not a a languid sort of bulldozy way if, if that makes any sense um, doesn't it remind me of Igor Bishkan in the 2004-05 season uh, where European ego was amazing and all other egos you couldn't get much out of them this is the Anfield app on Radio City Talk when we speak to Ben Finney after the break about what Hull are up to and especially what the manager's up to Yes, indeed. Joined now by Ben Finney uh, to talk to us about Hull City, as he so often does uh, for you here on Radio City Talk. And Ben, it's it's a strange situation that made the made the big manager change. The spirit to me always looked like it was there for Hull this season, but maybe the organisation hasn't looked quite right. The coaching hasn't quite looked sharp enough. And and Silver's you know doing a doing an impressive job, but it's still only seventeen points on the board. I do, however, take everything back I said to you last time I spoke to you, and I didn't agree with the appointment whatsoever, thinking it would be an utter flop, and it, it just hasn't been so far. I mean, yeah, it is still 17 points on the board, but what he's given the club is a real hope that they can actually get out of the predicament they're in, which is something that wasn't there when you come in. Um, the performances have been so much better, but I think what's most impressive is they're actually starting to go for teams like they could have nicked it at Old Trafford on Wednesday despite being under the cosh for so much of the game. They look defensively better organised, which is key to the relegation battle. He's done a remarkable job so far, but the worry is that if they don't stay up, will he keep him if they go into the championship? Because he's just proved so popular so far. It's amazing the job he's done. Well, I mean, you mentioned nicking it at Old Trafford. Uh, Hull win the home game, and I know it's. I know that there was obviously in, in, in the League Cup. I know that there was obviously a. You know, United had the cushion from the two 0 from the first leg, but it wasn't. 
this was not a scratch United side that Hull were up against. And it, yeah. it would be fair to say they deservedly won won the fixture at home. I mean, it, it, the extent to which it was it was watching it and thinking these really are no mugs was something quite significant, I thought. Yeah, it was. I mean, I think you had to just ignore the FA Cup result because he put out a second string side, but they really did deserve to win the game. I mean, the penalty was a bit contentious, but as you say, it wasn't United's kids. It was Ibrahimovic up from Pogba was playing, Rashford was playing, Carrick in midfield, De Gea obviously in goal. So it was pretty much Mourinho's strongest side. And then to go and get a point at Old Trafford again, I mean, I don't. well, the reason they did really was the goalkeeper. He was absolutely outstanding. And he, he was absolutely outstanding, but there's also he's made a few signings as well. Now they tend to look like the loans or just deal. It all feels a bit off the back of a lorry on the one hand, but on the other hand, we're talking about actual internationals here, like Ranocchia, if that's the right pronunciation. Is you know he's got yeah. over twenty caps for Italy. Uh, the, 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 the the lads who come up against Liverpool this weekend first, they may look very very different to the ones that Liverpool faced during the six one. Not least because of the departures, but also in general because of these. Uh, because the, because of these signings and the fact that you know they've done they've done okay they've given themselves a chance. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I mean, as you you just hit the nail on the head, it's a completely different side to the one that faced Liverpool at Anfield in September. Um, I think it will be a lot. It depends how he goes for it. I mean, does he do what teams have done against Liverpool in recent weeks and just try and contain? I mean, I'm not sure he necessarily will because they are at home. He might well a bit more. I suppose the positive on one hand for, for Liverpool is that Markovic won't play, so they won't get an inevitable goal against them. Um, but it depends... But, but, I mean, Grosicky looks on, like he's going to start. Yeah, I think so. I mean, as well if Nias... I mean, he's done okay because he was terrible at Everton. You know, and it looked like a signing where you thought, well, what they brought him in for? It'll be interesting to see who he does go for. With the departure side of it, I don't think anybody's actually been that upset, even though it is essentially Hull's two best players. I mean, it's £20 million in for the Alams at the end of the day, but they don't look like they've been weakened because of it. It's, really, it's quite a strange situation in that regard. Well, I was going to ask about Snodgrass because he's been so integral to what they've done this season, but then I think it, it's a strange thing as a football supporter. You can think this lad's been integral to what we've done this season, but then on the other hand, you can say, well, what we've done this season is is be rooted in the bottom three. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, the good bits have mainly come from him, and I get that point. And um, he's at a level which I think probably does suit him. I mean, it's a big club, West Ham. I hope he actually does quite well there. Um, but I just thought he'd stay just to give Silver for the rest of the season, and then might have moved on in the summer. So I was quite surprised when he went. Uh, Livermore was a bit of a shock as well. Again, another one who I thought may well stick around just to see what the new manager was like. Um, but we'll have to see how they get on. I mean, they just need more creative thought. They need someone to step up in Snodgrass's absence. I mean, one thing they will miss is that set-piece delivery. I of think, course, yeah. He, he's, one of, he's one of the best in the league. I mean, his left foot is, is unbelievable. And it's just whether he has signed the right players to come in and replace that job. I mean, you know, they still need to score more goals. I mean, that is essentially part of it. You know, they just need to find ways to put the ball in the back of the net. Well, Ember Carton is back as well um, from the from the African Cup of Nations, so it is quite a. You know, it's he he, he looked good at times last season playing for Norwich. He looked like he could have done with a, with a slightly better service around him again. Yeah. And Di is also got, uh, in from uh, Villarreal on loan as well. It's. You know, there's the. It's a funny thing, really. It's, it's it's a bit of a test of the manager. He hasn't had a pre-season with these players. He's he's obviously come in. I suppose to a certain extent, when he's come in, the idea of adding a few more well, it doesn't make any difference anyway. Because it's not like he's been working with the other ones all season. But at the same time, that there is the idea that these lads might take a little bit of time to blend. 
Yeah, I think so. What I've, I've been impressed with Silver so far is the fact that he seems to have got a bit more out of players that are already there. I mean, Harry Maguire has looked unbelievable in the last few weeks. Um, he played particularly well at Chelsea, um, and, and the team as a whole did, and we're quite unlucky on the day not to get something more out of it, but Chelsea's off the league for a reason. And also people like Lucas and Huddleston's come back into a bit of form. That's what's really stood out for me so far with Silver, is that he's got more out of the players he already had at his disposal. On Maguire, he suddenly it, it's uh, it's often hard to tell with um, with defenders who who seem to be constantly in the thick of the action. If you know what I mean, in terms of yeah. whether or not they could they could go on and make a step up. But he, he's very active in games. He's got a lot to do. It isn't a, it isn't. It, there's obviously a huge amount of concentration required, but it's not quite the same as as playing centre back for a side where you know you don't you often don't have a lot to do for sixty minutes, but then you can find yourself in a bit of a one on one scenario. But he, he genuinely does look impressive, and I. I I mean, I I'd be surprised if he starts next season at Hull if if Hull don't retain Premier League status. Yeah, I get where you're coming from. I mean, he's another one like Snodgrass who could well perform to a higher level. I think he's helped by the fact he's got such an experienced centre half with Dawson alongside him. Even though Dawson's quality has dwindled a little bit because obviously he's got a bit older, he's lost a bit more pace, but he's got that structure, that organisation to help Maguire along because obviously Maguire is still quite a young player. Um, but I, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't stay at Hull if they don't stay in the Premier League this season. But I think, I have to say, it's looking quite positive. They've got a really good chance. I mean, these next two games are incredibly difficult, Liverpool and Arsenal. But then the next three after are incredibly crucial. I mean, it's Burnley at home, Leicester away, and Swansea at home. And they need to get... Seven minimum. Five, five to seven, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, all right, I'm putting you on the, on the spot for the weekend. The weekend's fixture coming up against Liverpool. Um, it's uh, it's interesting you mentioned Dawson there because when I, when I'm looking at projected lineups for for Hull, uh, thinking about Liverpool, the return of Mane, the movement, the pace that Liverpool can show, flitting in and out of certain areas. I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I'm almost thinking I play the game on Dawson because he's he's never been the best necessarily at turning round, and now as he's he's dwindling a little bit, you know, that that's the one that for me, if if you if you look at it from a Liverpoolian point of view, he's the one you possibly look to get him behind a little bit more and, and look to win the game. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is the biggest threat to Hull is the fact that Mane's returned. I mean, he's, he's to, to me, he's been the sign of the season by any club. I mean, he's got a case for Kante at Chelsea and obviously Ibrahimovic has been incredibly impressive. But I think what he's brought to Liverpool has added that extra dimension that he didn't have last season. And I think the fact that it will be him, Coutinho, Alana, Firmino back on the pitch together for the first time since November... I think you will see an upturn in Liverpool's form. I mean, yes, they've had a bad month, but let's be honest, they have still got the right manager in place to go on and to really achieve something special this season. To my mind, speaking from from Liverpool point of view, they're not out of the title race yet. It's a massive gap, but they can easily go on a winning run if they keep everybody fit and get that attacking football back. I mean, those four are just, they are incredible when they're all together. And, you know, the rest of the Premier League hasn't seen that for so long. Okay, what's your prediction for the weekend? It's. Uh, I think Liverpool might nick it. I think it'll be two or three one. I think um, it's not going to be easy for either side. It's going to be an entertaining game, but I think Liverpool might just nick it. Okay, huge thanks as ever to Ben Finney taking the time to let us know about Hull City. That was Jeff Paul McCartney and Wings uh, for you there. This is the Anfield Wrap on Radio City Talk. Uh, Rob Gutman, uh, Adam Smith, Melissa Reddy, I'm Neil Atkinson, in case you don't know that already. And we're going to talk now about the whole game after hearing Ben speak about Harry Maguire, about the fact that those lads are beginning to get themselves into some shape. But the points aren't on the board. And I think that this is a... We can all get carried away, Melissa, with this manager. We can say that Hull have got some, some slightly better players than we might think. But this is a game that Liverpool should be looking to win, should be expecting to win. 
totally. Um, Hull have done very well under Silva. They are completely renewed, I think, in every sort of sense in how organised they are in what they think they're capable of. And um, I think Jürgen made a very good point that when he's analysed their, their recent games, they don't look like a team that's second from bottom. And honestly, having watched some or like little pieces, highlights of their games... I, th- I thought the same thing. You can see where they're very good dang- against United. Yeah, you can see where they're dangerous. You you can see where they'll cause Liverpool some issues. Um, and I think also interestingly is Liverpool's preparation for this game has not been quite straightforward because they've had to they've had to rotate quite a bit because of the cup games. So they've fielded different systems, different lineups. So Klopp isn't really certain, or they won't be certain as to what Hull will, will go for on Saturday. But the general thing when Liverpool analyse the opposition is they don't actually put a lot of focus on what the opponents do, but how they can incorporate their game in relation to to what the opponents do. So, yeah. yeah. Final little bit of weaknesses. Turn Michael Dawson round. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, right on the back of your hand. Turn Michael Dawson round. Um, but I mean, it is going to be. They are going to be a good side. They're going to be solid. They may may not be playing slightly better football than nineteenth, but you can get carried away and presume that they're playing football, say, of eleventh, tenth, ninth stature. They've still got the same football as Rob. Mm, it's yeah. It's important. It's hard Liverpool, to read. It's important Liverpool get a result. Is what I'm driving at here. In the context of the whole season, in the context of everything, the points against Chelsea. It's very, very important. Liverpool first win of. A league win of 2017, it's got to happen. It's, it's, yeah. It's, it's, um, it's, yeah, it's a must win and it's not an easy game. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, the last, the, the last two games, they beat United in the game United didn't want to get beaten in and then drew at Old Trafford. So they are clearly no slouches. Having said that, you look at the, the, the bookies are miles out in their over, over in the way their odds reflect, reflect the actual stature when we cut past maybe our own anxieties. Holler something like... 18 or 12 to 1 to win this game something ridiculously long odds to win the game they're actually probably good value at that price um, no it's not easy to say something like 10 to 1 or something like that but regardless I feel Liverpool need I think the key for Liverpool will be to have a strong first 20 minutes because it's the sort of game where you know Liverpool saw at Swansea and at Burnley where, where those teams were they weren't on the up at that stage but they were capable of having some belief and they, and they came at Liverpool and they capitalised on their crowd and, they knew, and some newfound momentum and they put Liverpool on the back foot. I don't this, this, think this Liverpool team needs to go a goal down anytime soon. I think it needs to recover its, its inner strength before it can deal with making comebacks too routinely. So I'd like to see Liverpool see out maybe an attritional first 20, gain control and then, and then slowly br- bring our quality to bear. Got to put the front four? Yeah, I don't see how he. Uh, I, don't, I don't see why he wouldn't really. I mean, you would think that that Mane's presumably had enough time now. You know, we, we have had one more day's rest on Hull. Well, exactly. Yeah, that's a big part of it. And you know, I mean, to be fair, I think I got to Anfield sooner than Mane did on uh, Tuesday. So you know, it, it was understandable why he didn't start that game. Um, but this one, you know, he's back now. He's had enough. Had a few days, and we've also got not you know not not games right on top of each other now we've got a bit of time off in between games and things and the, the there's also the fact that Hull have have played Manchester United three games out of four you know or whatever it was and that that sort of thing does breed a little bit of 
understanding. There's not, there's not a huge amount of tactical surprises that the the other manager can pull. So so as much as I think they were very impressive with the nil nil with United, and it shouldn't be dismissed. At the same time, it was the third game in a row against them, and they'd beaten them in the previous game, um, and they did get beaten four one by Fulham in the in the cup. And it wasn't a massively rotated team. It was a pretty strong team they put out as well. So it, you know that there are there are there are signs there that if we put out the front four, if we get a goal early, which I know is sort of something that we tend to say quite a lot at the moment but if we do then you might think that they'll be a little bit like oh well let's just you know we all right we got a point from old trafford you know we don't need to worry too much about this one it's the the opening goal it's the, it's the first two goals really Melissa. i think if liverpool can score them it feels to me like a game that may not be too dissimilar to the middlesbrough game that we had before christmas that if liverpool can click and suddenly just look a little bit irresistible it, as adam says it becomes quite straightforward for hull to sort of get into a bit of a holding pattern of let's just get out of this as quickly as we can but liverpool have got to click to make that happen yeah i think it's very much a case of restore factory settings for liverpool they've got to go back to that early season opposition completely terrified everything's coming off the rhythm the tempo everyone's on the same wavelength and obviously that's so does he play channel with Wijnaldum Wijnaldum I agree mm-hmm. absolutely I think he's got to go back to I think what 9 out of 10 or 9.5 out of 10 people would say is his best 11 um, and I think the issue for Liverpool is that they've been doing the right things perhaps not to the extent that they were doing it before but not seeing the reward for it and when I say restore factory settings I mean it in every sense as in play your best 11 get that rhythm that fluidity going get your reward for it and that then um, you know reiterates everything that you're doing oh we're doing the right thing it's coming off we're getting our reward for it and and that's the cycle and and as um Adam. Adam said, I was going to call you Ben and I don't know why. I've been called much worse, don't worry. <laughs> um, and as um, Adam said, it, it then gets to the routine sense of, of how you'd imagine this game should be played on paper, but Liverpool have got to make it happen and I agree, have got to make it happen very early on. Um, prediction then, uh, Rob? 2-0 uh, to Liverpool. 2-0 Liverpool. Ben? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, that's exactly what I was going to say, Steve. I'm going to go for 2 0 as well. Mal. Mal. Uh, 2 0 Liverpool. Uh, it's been the Anfield Rap this week. Thank you very much to Melissa, to Adam, and to Rob Gutman. Uh, Liverpool set themselves off to Hull. Uh, should hopefully be able to field their strongest possible 11, at least for 70 minutes of the game. It'll be very, very interesting to see what Hull do to try to cope with that one. Whatever you're doing this weekend, enjoy it hugely. The Reds, though, very much may well be back on the march. A win Saturday means they definitely are. Podcast Network.